0: Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zuma Radio.
1: Welcome back. Next, we have a story about a big victory for a group of tenants in Toronto. We know that the city is becoming less and less affordable for renters, and many are being squeezed out of the market, and it's part of the same phenomenon that's seen real estate prices soar. Same thing, a lot of buyers are being squeezed out of the market. Meanwhile, rent control was expanded by the Wynn government, which means it's harder for landlords to recover the cost of keeping up and renovating their properties. And there's a new thing called renoviction, where tenants have to move out for renovations, but uh, it turns out they don't get to move back in afterwards, even though they have the legal right to do that. However... Tenants in a Parkdale high-rise successfully staged a two-month rent strike after the landlord applied for twice the recommended increase. Now, it looks like both sides have settled now. The landlord is backing off. The uh, increase is going to be the recommended 1.8%. So, uh, the tenants are, you know... Uh, they are getting what they want. And so the question is, are we going to see more of this? Is it a great tactic or is it really risky. Uh, let me know what you think. The number is to call 416 toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now we are going to Kenneth Hale, who is the legal director for the Advocacy Centre for Tenants Ontario, and Councillor James Pasternak, Ward 10 York Centre, and a member of the Affordable Housing Committee. Welcome to you both.
2: Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon.
1: Um, let's start with you, Councillor Pasternak. Um, is this a good tactic, uh, or is it a really risky thing to do, and uh, how do you think they were successful?
2: Well, uh, the first thing I would say is that uh, it's a fundamental right of, of Canadians uh, to, to protest, uh, to assemble, uh, to, to um, express uh, their objection to certain actions or policies. These are, these are basic freedoms that we enjoy here. Um, the, the withdrawing of the rent payment um, is actually a violation of the Residential Tenancies Act uh, and, uh, and ha- seems to have produced uh, some short-term gains, but, but I'd worry about a darker side, and that's, and that's the long-term pain.
1: Okay, let's get the uh, legal view from Kenneth Hale.
3: Well, I think I agree with everything that you said in your introduction, Libby. We're facing a major crisis on many fronts. Um, It's a risky tactic, but it's a very powerful tactic. I can't agree with Mr. Pasternak that this is somehow violating the Residential Tenancies Act. There's no law that says you have to pay your rent. You agree with your landlord that you're going to pay your rent. Your landlord agrees with you to provide certain services, and there are certain understandings, and when those understandings break down, maybe the understanding about the rent payment it breaks down as well. But I certainly agree that it's powerful but risky and that it really is not something that people use to solve simple everyday problems. But okay. it's somewhat of a last resort when the reason and the legal system aren't working for you.
1: Well, l- let's go over this. So first of all, they have to have enough people, uh, or all people, in a pretty big building agreeing to do this, and uh, my question is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that two months of non-payment of rent is enough to start eviction proceedings. Is that, is that correct?
3: Certainly, you're, if, you're late, if your rent is late one day, the landlord can give you a notice. Fourteen days after, the landlord can apply to the Landlord and Tenant Board for your eviction, but. You know, having 100 cases going on at the Landlord and Tenant Board isn't exactly what the average landlord wants.
1: So it's it's considered 100 cases.
3: Well, I just picked 100 out of the air. Yeah, I know, back. but it's considered... They don't even want 10 cases. They want people to pay the rent, but the people paying the rent want the fundamental understanding with their landlord to exist as well. And I think these tenants felt that these exorbitant rent increases were... You know, breaking with that commitment that the landlord had to them.
1: Well, was it exorbitant? They're getting it said. I I just saw more than twice. So it, it, the recommended increase is one point eight percent. So that means it would have been you know around three and a half four percent.
2: Three point four is what I understand in this in in this situation. But I should also um, add that. Um, as I said at the beginning, they have the right to to protest and to and go through the process of through the landlord and tenant board to object to any above rate uh, increase uh, but in the long run, uh, I would be concerned that if landlords can 't get those increases, then buildings will deteriorate they will not invest uh, invest in those properties and if, if you 've ever been in a property in which there's no investment, uh, it turns into a pretty deteriorating situation and not not a very livable situation for tenants. The other thing is we want developers to come forward to build new purpose-built rental, and we want to make sure those applications come in instead of condominiums. So there has to be a long-term incentive that they can be able to um, carry the investment costs and make sure Tenants are treated fairly, but also make sure there's a certain rate of return to to invest in, in that. We need to encourage purpose-built rental, or we'll still have this affordable issue, affordability issue, and the uh, and of course the, um, the the crunch that we're looking at.
1: Uh, yeah, Kenneth, I mean, how do you address that? Uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for tenants who, uh, you know, can't uh, trying to hang on to the places they've lived at, but also for for landlords. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of these rents are way below market, way below what they could get from a new tenant uh, and isn't necessarily covering their costs.
3: Well, I don't believe, I. you know, they settled this. At the rent guideline, as I understand it, because they knew that they were still making enough money at the guideline. They didn't need the above guideline increase to keep themselves solvent. I, you know, keeping rents up to the market level is not a right of landlords. It's not necessary for their financial survival. Tenants need places to live, and if the private market can't supply them with places to live, then the responsibility is going to fall back on government. And if governments let landlords just exploit their tenants to the hilt, they're going to con- there will continue to be pressure to spend public money on housing or shelters or police and jails, whatever it's going to take. But people need places to live, and so we have to put controls on the private market. If the government isn't going to put those controls on and tenants have to take matters into their own hands and stare down these these economic pressures. And they certainly have the right to use their economic power to do that.
1: Well, I mean, uh, I that's a pretty, um, I, I don't know, uh, that sounds like a pretty aggressive view. I mean, in light of... Everything that's happening in the market—I mean, I think we can say that we don't want um, a lower income or all middle income not to be able to live in the city. But but the fact is that a lot of buyers have had to move out of the city, and uh, a lot of renters as well, Councillor Pasternak. I mean, uh, do you agree with Kenneth's view of this?
2: There's there's no there's no doubt that the city is at a tipping point when it comes to affordability. There's an undercurrent of brittleness in many of our communities across the city, uh, whether it be seniors, uh, whether, it, whether it be people on fixed incomes, whether, whether it be people just starting out or newcomers. I would agree 100% that the affordability of this city is, is, uh, is becoming out of reach to many. Three of my four kids don't live in the city anymore and we're going to lose a whole generation of young people who will not settle here. And they they when when the hospitality and and uh beverage business and and retail, uh, banking and whatever can't find employees uh to to fill positions because the a whole generation of workers have moved out. The city could be in an economic crisis. I mean it's it's a very serious social trend. I would I would agree how we solve it is is the great mystery. I mean we have strategies at the city where we encourage builders, even when they're building condos, to have affordable rental, affordable ownership, um, and and we work with all kinds of groups to make sure uh, that um, that that's that's being done with the private sector and with our other levels of government. At the same time, Toronto is the biggest landlord in North America through TCH. Uh, we have. Enormous portfolio of below-market rent apartments, and this was kind of dumped on us because the other two levels, the government felt the municipality should take care of this. Well, it's, it's preposterous that a municipality uh, with very few lever, very few levers to raise money can can possibly provide a. Uh, you know, a housing portfolio to 175,000 below market rent units or people. You know, it's it's a, it's a challenge. It's a great challenge.
1: Uh, it's it's interesting to me. I mean, there was this one case uh, that was all over the news of a a rent eviction where uh, a family that was paying, I believe, around twelve hundred or thirteen hundred dollars uh, moved out for a renovation, and then the landlord got something like forty three hundred. I mean. I think the bottom line to anyone listening is that both those numbers uh, seem inappropriate.
3: But there was a law that said that the landlord was supposed to rent that place back to that family at $1,200, and the landlord just thumbed their nose at the law and did what they wanted so they would get three or four times as much rent, and... If you know those tenants had to stand up, those tenants had to bring an application to the landlord and tenant board, those tenants had to go and publicize their case that 's what it takes. People have to stand up because the governments aren 't
1: yeah, but that family's not that family is not moving back in, and what i 'm saying is that if he was able to get forty three hundred dollars for that unit that maybe if he was allowed to charge something a little more reasonable from his point of view um, the family wouldn't have to move i mean uh, am maybe i the $1,
3: is $1, that $100 was a lot for that family
1: right I mean, but we, maybe you know, it wasn't a lot it's not a lot for that property uh, councilor pasternak am i talking crazy talk here
2: well clearly there's there's a, there's a great range of rents across uh, across the city i was i was shocked when I went to visit my son in the annex who had a studio apartment? I'm not going to say on the air what what he was paying, but I was really quite shocked when I went to visit there, and he told me what he's paying. Um, and you didn't know
1: what he was paying before.
2: <laughs> well, he, I mean, he was in a room in a in a house with a whole bunch of other other tenants and and so forth, and that's you know that's what's going on across the city. I think I think to take the pressure off, we need to uh, uh, liberalize rules governing basement apartments and help people. Uh, renovate and uh, make them safe, and 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 make them rentable, um, and and change bylaws so that's allowed in most parts of the city. So, yep. basement
3: apartments, rooming houses, these are things that have been before city council, and city council doesn't like to deal with them.
2: Basement apartments has not. Uh, Come to us recently. Certainly, rooming houses are are a big problem because the established neighborhoods fight fight against them. Well, but the city the reality has to fight
3: is, back on behalf of the people, the tenants that are living in those rooming well, houses, and they haven't been willing to do that.
2: Well, I mean, the reality is, we need the other two levels of government to come up to, uh, to come up to the plate and, and help help solve this crisis with purpose-built well, we, rental. We have an
3: election for one of those levels of government, and we certainly have an opportunity to find candidates who are going to address this problem in a realistic way.
1: Okay, well, and then we have yet another election coming up after that. Um, so um, it's an interesting conversation, and it is a conundrum, uh, and uh, it's still uh, waiting for a good solution. Thank you both to Kenneth Hale and to Councillor James Pasternet. You're very welcome. All the best. Okay. Bye-bye.
2: Take
1: care. Bye. Bye, Jim. Okay. uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, uh, we're going to look ahead to at least one part of the budget. Uh, Some of those goodies we've been promised all week have to do with health care. So what does the Ontario Medical Association think? And uh, are these things going to solve what they see as the biggest problem right now? We'll have that when we return.